to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Did you know that there is a way of eating that can prevent and improve the pain and other symptoms of endometriosis? That's right. We're going to cover all this and more in today's Wild Wisdom Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, and I'm a medical doctor with a different spin on women's health. I'm a specialist in physical medicine rehabilitation and practicing functional medicine in Canada. And I love taking complicated science and breaking it down into easy to understand information that you can action out right away for immediate results. And today we're going to talk about the endometriosis diet, foods to eat and foods to avoid to treat pain, infertility, and more. So stay tuned. Now, what you have to understand is that there are uh, treatments for endometriosis that are non-nutritional, and those are the typical treatments that your uh, family doctor or endocrinologist might use. And they're usually around, um, you know, treating the pain of endometriosis. Um, so some things like anti-inflammatories, for example, they are hormone therapies. So for example, uh, taking an oral contraceptive pill to suppress your menstrual cycle and other medications to suppress estrogen. There are more newer anti-aromatase inhibitors, which we're going to get into, and also medications and surgery. Surgery is usually reserved for if your endometriosis is growing in size to the point where it's blocking things like, you know, your uterus function for fertility, your ureters that drain the kidneys, so it's affecting your kidney function. If it's affecting the bowels, uh, your doctors may decide that uh, with you that surgery may be one of the options for treatment. However, what we need to know is that all of these treatments um, in terms of medications uh, if you look at the research, many people tend to discontinue them because of the side effects. And those include weight gain, nausea, headaches, um, hot flashes and night sweats, decreased libido and mood changes, especially with the hormone therapies and suppressing menstruation cycle with hormones. So if we can figure out ways to improve our nutrition in a way that will act like a medicine, so food as medicine, uh, that comes without side effects. And that's exactly what we want to do in terms of trying to bring it all together. And we can use those um, strategies either on their own or in combination with medications and surgery to improve your outcomes, uh, decrease the need for the doses, maybe avoid the use of medications or improve your response to surgery. Because even when you operate on the endometriosis, there's a high risk of the endometriosis coming back. And so what you want to do is everything in your power to reduce the likelihood of that endometriosis returning. Now, as a reminder from our last Wild Wisdom episode where we covered what is endometriosis, uh, you know, why do they happen? Uh, endometriosis affects approximately one in 10 women. 
It's when the lining of the uterus, the tissue that is like the lining of the uterus starts to grow outside of the uterus. So instead of in the uterus, it can grow on the uterus, can grow on the ovaries, on the fallopian tubes, uh, you know, along the ureters, uh, which uh, drain the kidneys, in the bowels, along the cavity of the abdomen called the peritoneal lining. And it can even go outside of the abdominal cavity into the lungs, for example. So people present with problems with pain. Usually it's cyclical with things like menstruation, pain with, um, you know, having your menstrual period, pain with pooping, uh, with peeing, blood with pooping and peeing, uh, pain in the abdomen, deep pelvic pain, pain with intercourse. And if it gets into the lungs, even something strange like shortness of breath that can get worse with your menstruation. So it's really important for us to understand what can we do, what's within our power to improve um, endometriosis and even prevent it. So these strategies, the cool thing is that the same diet or way of eating that improves what we call the symptoms of endometriosis, like the pain, the infertility, uh, those things, will also help people prevent it from coming on. And hopefully, if you use it in conjunction with something like surgery, would prevent it from coming back again after having undergone the operation to remove it, which can be um, you know, quite painful and invasive. Uh, so what we want to understand is the goals of nutrition and why we're doing this particular approach. Like, Why would it scientifically work to use nutrition? And what we do know is that nutrition has been shown in research to prevent endometriosis, to reduce endometriosis-related inflammation that causes pain. So it's the pain, the pain within the endometriosis tissue comes from infl inflammation that arises from within that tissue, which we will discuss. It also has been shown to improve hormonal balance. Endometriosis is, class, is you know, classically due to an increase in estrogen production within the endometriosis tissue. And what's kind of fascinating about that is that when you look at the tissue of endometriosis and you compare it to the tissue of the lining of the uterus, although they are similar, they have one thing majorly different between each other, and that's that the endometriosis tissue, for reasons we don't understand yet, has an increase in the activity of an enzyme, which is a fancy name for a protein that works as a tool that does a function in the cell. So in these cells, the enzyme aromatase, the activity gets turned up. So the aromatase enzyme starts to work and it starts to work too much. And its job is to turn testosterone into estrogen. Now, we want that to happen in the ovaries. That's how we get our estrogen in women. We turn testosterone into estrogen. But when it happens in the tissue of endometriosis, as well as in the tissue of breast cancer and fibroids and endometrial cancer, that's what all of those conditions have in common, is that now you've got too much estrogen production in the wrong place. And that causes local inflammation and pain. So we're going to be talking about the research on nutrition to treat endometriosis either on its own or in combination with medications and surgery. And this comes from a publication so hot off the press, it's smoking. And it was published in 2023 in February, so not that long ago. And it's called Nutrition in the Prevention and Treatment of Endometriosis, a Review. So I like it because 
It combines the results of many different studies and talks about what might be helpful uh, for treating endometriosis with nutrition. So if you're joining me live uh, through my Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, please feel free to put in your questions in the comments and make sure you do that in advance of, of you know, when I near the end of the show, if you don't do it quickly enough, I miss the question. For example, last week's episode, there was a question that just squeaked in, but unfortunately, when I had already finished the episode, and it was a question by June. And June wanted to know um, when the endometriosis improves after when you go into menopause, because in menopause, generally speaking, our estrogen goes down. For So for some women, the endometriosis improves. And so if that happens in menopause, is there anything else that we need to do? Um, or is that problem gone? Like we don't have to worry about it anymore. And the answer is we don't exactly know to be, to be sure. You know, we don't know that answer for sure. But, you know, if I were to put on my thinking cap and to think about everything I know about endometriosis, what I would say is that um, a diet and a lifestyle that supports uh, endometriosis pain reducing and supports uh, endometriosis, uh, you know, from returning and causing havoc, even in menopause, is a generally healthy lifestyle. And so, you know, continuing to live a generally healthy lifestyle uh, will help you not only reduce the chances of endometriosis returning or getting worse, because it can get worse in menopause, even though we have the general estrogen goes down, the local estrogen production in the tissues can continue. Um, so there really is no harm done by continuing to try to manage your endometriosis naturally with a healthy lifestyle. So, um, you know, for example, I wouldn't all of a sudden start eating things that are unhealthy for you that would, you know, not only deteriorate your general health, but also increase your risk of endometriosis coming back or getting worse. So I hope that answers your question, June, and thank you for the question. So we're going to talk today about foods to minimize and foods to maximize in order to improve your experience with endometriosis. And this is proven in research. Um, and also for endometriosis prevention, if you're worried about getting it, or if you have a family history of it, or you know people in your family have it, this is definitely information that you want to pay attention to. So what the research shows, which is very fascinating, is that there's a group of foods basically that contain what are called saturated fats. And saturated fats uh, are different from unsaturated or you know what we call polyunsaturated fats. Um, and there's different kinds. There's monounsaturated, polyunsaturated. And for the purpose of this discussion, what you need to know is saturated fats are the kind of fats that when they are left at room temperature, they go hard. So for example, butter has a lot of saturated fat in it. Coconut oil has a lot of saturated fat in it. Animal meat, you know, if you cook a piece of steak and it has fat on it and you leave it on the counter and it cools down to room temperature, that fat will congeal. That's a saturated fat. Whereas the kind of fat that you find in fish or in um, olive oil, uh, you know, avocado oil has a lot of saturated fat as well. But when they do avocado oil, they take out the polyunsaturated fat to use it. Those things and, and the um, MCT oil from coconut oil, so it's liquid at room temperature, that tends to not be the saturated fat within the coconut oil. So that's the um, unsaturated, polyunsaturated fats. 
And what you want to know is that the saturated fats are the ones that have been linked to an increased risk of endometriosis, particularly when they are found in animal meat and dairy products, and they are also present in ultra-processed foods. And the other fats that are problematic for endometriosis in particular are trans fats, which are the kind of fats that were um, what we call ultra-processed to create things like margarine. So, you know, margarine is a chemically, a chemically created fat where they take something like a vegetable seed oil and they extract the, the, the uh, oil from it and then they add a chemical to it to catalyze it into turning into a more solid substance. And that is a very, very ultra-processed food. And trans fats in things like margarine have been shown to be really bad for your health. So if you are still eating margarine, please stop and uh, replace it with a healthy food like uh, olive oil or a avocado oil or a sesame seed oil. These would all be better than eating a, a margarine like a trans fat. And the thing is that there are still trans fats hiding out in ultra processed foods, even though the use of them has been uh, banned and discouraged in most countries. So good to, uh, to know this. The goal of reducing animal meat and dairy products is that it prevents endometriosis. That's what the research shows. And it also reduces endometriosis pain and premenstrual syndrome symptoms when you eliminate them from your diet. So that is really fascinating. Interestingly, uh, not related to the fats, but possibly related to other things in red meat, such as beef, bison, and lamb, as well as poultry, keeping the uh, content of that very low in your diet has been shown to prevent endometriosis and reduce inflammation. And they're not, it's hard to tease out if it's the saturated fat in those foods, or if it's things like uh, those animals have their own hormones, and particularly in meat and dairy, there are still hormones present even after processing. So even after pasteurization, there is estrogen and other hormones in dairy present. So you need to understand that if you have a hormonal issue like endometriosis, adding additional hormones to it could be problematic, and that's what the research shows. And if you don't have a hormonal problem, then it might not be problematic for you. But if you have endometriosis or you want to prevent it, then reducing, minimizing red meat, uh, such as beef, bison, and lamb, could be very beneficial. This is interesting because the Nurses Health Study 2, Nurses Health Study 2, showed that women who were eating more than two servings of red meat per day had a 56% increased risk of endometriosis, uh, which is kind of huge compared with those that were consuming less than one serving of red meat per week. Now, there's a zone in between where you could be eating more than you know one or less servings of red meat per week. These foods can be very helpful. Lamb has uh, you know carnitine in it, which is a very helpful protein. I'm not recommending that you cut out red meat. However, if you have endometriosis, cutting it down significantly could be really helpful. And the research, um, you know, for example, they took a group of women and they studied them having low saturated fat 
vegan diets for a short period of time. And that seemed to also help treat the endometriosis pain and premenstrual related issues. Um, when women in, with endometriosis have their menstruation, everything gets worse because now the estrogen levels are changing and everything's getting more inflamed. So that's why it's important for you to understand that red meat and dairy have been linked to worsening endometriosis. And again, they're not exactly sure why, but it's important to know that this actually has been studied, people being put on different diets and observing the outcome and the outcome is better if you keep your red meat and saturated fat consumption low. On the other hand, foods to maximize, so what you want to optimize and add in, are things like omega-3 fats, so uh, fish, algae, flax seeds, chia seeds. These all have, uh, they're all wonderful sources of omega-3s. And the research shows that it, you know, having um, high amounts of this in your diet can prevent endometriosis. And if you have endometriosis, it'll reduce your endometriosis pain. And the results of that can actually be quite significant. And you might be wondering, well, what, you know, how much omega-3s do I get with what I eat? So I've created this little list here that I think you'll find very helpful. So to give an example, if you look at servings, so fish, I like the fatty fish. So um, salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. They're very high in healthy fats and they're low in things like mercury content, which we want to avoid. And uh, mackerel has the highest amount of omega-3s and the omega-3s, there's, there's uh, three different kinds I'm going to talk about. There's EPA and DHA and those are the kinds found in fish and those are the kinds linked primarily to health benefits. And then there's ALA, which is mostly found in plants and the body has to convert the ALA into EPA and DHA for most of those health benefits. So what you'll find here is that mackerel has about 4,500 milligrams per serving of EPA, DHA, salmon and herring about 2,150 milligrams per serving, cod liver oil has 2,430 milligrams per serving, which is one tablespoon, and so those are all EPA, DHA. Now, if you look at plants, chia seeds has per one ounce serving 5,050 milligrams of ALA. However, most people can only convert between 5 to 15% of ALA into EPA and DHA. So you could see here that you don't actually get all that much EPA and DHA from one serving of chia seeds, about 505 milligrams, let's say if you're converting 10%, compared to 4,580 milligrams of mackerel. So you can see here that it is harder to get those healthful EPA, DHA, omega-3s on, you know, on a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet that's excluding uh, fish. So I just want you to be aware of this. Flaxseed, uh, one tablespoon is 2,350 milligrams, and flaxseed oil, one tablespoon is 7,260 milligrams, which is about 726 milligrams of EPA. So you could see that you'd have to consume so much flaxseed oil to hit those EPA DHA targets and uh, to be equivalent to fish. And you should not be consuming flax oil in high amounts every day. You should rotate it. 
Um, there have been problems shown with too much flaxseed oil consumption. So if you think about it, it's a very highly concentrated food. I don't, you know, whenever I see that, I always think that the body wasn't really designed to have a lot of something that required a lot of, you know, work to get out of mother nature. So kind of how much you eat of it should be slightly proportional to how much work it was to get out. So, um, you know, considering if you're vegan, considering adding in some fish into your diet is something to think about or being really intentional with eating your nuts and your seeds and your um, flaxseed oils. Other foods to maximize based on research are things like plants. So again, the researchers aren't 100% sure if it's the fiber in the plants or the polyphenols. Polyphenols are the nutrients that are specific to plants that that don't belong in the category of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. They're like their own special plant superpowers. And depending on the different color of the plant, there's different kind of health benefits. So each you know, plant eating the color of the rainbow is very important. And the research shows that um, when you eat a plant-rich diet, it prevents endometriosis. So women who eat a plant-rich diet have less risk of getting endometriosis than women who don't. And if, you're, if you have endometriosis and you eat a plant-rich diet, it reduces how badly, how much the pain lasts for and how severe the pain is when you have the pain with endometriosis that tends to get worse with, worse with menstruation. So it's almost like its own anti-inflammatory, which is amazing because the anti-inflammatory medications will harm your gut health. That's been proven. They cause um, you know, breakdown of the lining of your gut, ulceration and bleeding and scarring, whereas eating plant foods does not. So very important to know. And also, if you have any premenstrual syndromes associated with your endometriosis, that gets better too, especially if you combine a plant-rich diet with a low in saturated fat diet. So really important to know that this has been, been, been proven by research. The other foods to maximize are seaweed. So interestingly, research has shown that when you eat seaweed, it improves your estrogen balance. So if you have too much estrogen, it'll decrease your estrogen levels. And eating as many as two servings of seaweed a a week can be helpful for that. Now, interestingly, this has not been specifically studied in endometriosis, but it has been studied in premenopausal women and postmenopausal women, and that effect has been documented. So it's a really nice thing to consider is adding in some seaweed to your diet, going out for some sushi, and having, um, you know, putting in some seaweed. I like to put in dry seaweed um, into my um, bone broths, and that leaches out the minerals of the seaweed. And then I use that bone broth to make things like rice, So I use that as the cooking water for my rice. And that's how I get my kids to get some really healthy nutrients as well, including iodine. Um, So seaweed is a really good one. And uh, Johanna's saying, thank you. She's been really enjoying listening to the videos. She has endometriosis and it's so helpful to know more. That's wonderful, Johanna. I'm so glad that this has been helpful for you. And let me know if you have any questions for sure. I'm going to be talking about next is a particular category of foods that I had to look for in many different um, research papers. So it's not one research paper that has all of this information, but various different ones. And it's in the category of foods that you want to maximize that are called 
aromatase inhibitors. So if you recall, the aromatase enzyme in endometriosis is turned on and turned up. So it starts to convert testosterone into estrogen. And so then the estrogen content in the endometriosis tissue goes up, inflammation goes up, pain goes up, right? And it's thought that that, um, you know, hormonal imbalance could also be contributing to the infertility issues as well. So when you improve your aromatase enzyme function, you also can improve your hormone balance and you can reduce pain. And this is so well known, in fact, that Big Pharma has made a class of drugs called aromatase inhibitors that you can take as part of the treatment. And they can be helpful for people, but they do come with a number of side effects because these are potent, potent medications and they go everywhere in the body and they can reduce the aromatase enzyme activity everywhere. So one of the side effects, for example, of aromatase enzyme inhibitors is bone loss. So osteopenia and osteoporosis, which is bad. You do not want that. It's a huge issue already for women aging, and this would worsen it. So what you need to know is that plant foods have natural aromatase enzyme inhibition, and it's like the wisdom of mother nature packaged in food. It tends to work where you want it to work and not too much so it doesn't overwhelm your body and cause things like osteoporosis. In fact, plant foods protect your bones because of the minerals that they contain, including calcium and magnesium and boron and all of those important minerals. And what's really cool is that um, almost all plant foods have aromatase, aromatase inhibitor action. So I'm going to give you a list and it's not complete. There's more than that, but artichokes, arugula, blueberries, broccoli and broccoli sprout, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, celery, kale, lemons, mushrooms, oats, parsley, radishes, turnips, oranges, uh, you know, all of these different things, they really do actually reduce the aromatase enzyme activity and not at the level of the ovaries where you don't want that to happen, um, but in the abnormal tissues. And in fact, aromatase enzyme activity is increased, as I mentioned, in breast cancer, endometrial cancer, and fibroids. And aromatase inhibitor foods are recommended in these conditions as well. And if you notice, it ties in with the foods to maximize in terms of, um, you know, the plant-rich diet. So you're kind of hitting many birds uh, with one stone when you're eating a plant-rich diet. And interestingly, foods to minimize, which are aromatase activators, they increase the activity of aromatase enzymes in a negative way, and that's alcohol, beef, and lamb. So again, you know, the beef and lamb tying into the actions, uh, you know, the previous recommendations, and the alcohol in new addition to the conversation. What you need to know is that I eat beef and lamb. I do eat them. Um, I eat them in, um, you know, small quanti quantities. I don't eat them more than once a day. Some days I will eat them once a day and some days less. And I try to intersperse them with poultry and fish. I, I eat beans and other sources of plant protein properly prepared, such as, you know, soaked, cooked or pressure cooked. And so this recommendation to go very, very, very low on your red meats is specific to endometriosis, 
but keeping it overall low, I think is is a good idea. And the quality matters here because, you know, animals that are um, given added antibiotics and added hormones will have a completely different nutrient profile than animals that are you know, not raised on antibiotics and uh, additional hormones that are free range, grass fed and grass finished. For example, did you know that if you take a cow and you raise it, um, you know, in a pasture for its whole lifetime, it'll have high, higher levels of omega-3, remember the healthy omega-3s, than the cow that was raised on pasture, but then in the last six weeks or so before its slaughter, brought into a feedlot, which is a very constrained space, and fed grains, which is not part of its normal diet. And the profile of that meat becomes more inflammatory, and it creates more inflammation in the human body. So we do not want to promote that kind of uh, nutrition. We want to uh, you know, purchase quality products. So if you're not going to be eating red meat often, you might as well buy the really good kind that has a really good nutrient profile, such as grass-fed and finished. That's the key. Every beef is grass-fed, okay? But what you want is you want them to also be grass-finished, so they're not put into a tight, confined space, which stresses them out, raises their stress hormones and cortisol levels, um, creates inflammation in their bodies, and creates a different nutrient profile for us. So be aware and be a savvy consumer. So in summary, and if you have any questions, this is a time to start putting it in. In summary, the endometriosis diet is essentially a plant-rich diet that is fish-focused, right? Uh, low in ultra-processed foods, red meat and dairy, and with added seaweed, maybe some algae oil, if you're a vegetarian, uh, chia seeds and flaxseed oils. Um, you know, you can add them in, of course, if you're not vegetarian or vegan, but if you are vegetarian or vegan, then you want to pay particular attention to adding those in strategically to your diet. So I hope you found this useful. On the next Wild Wisdom show, we're going to be talking about supplements, supplements that have been proven in research to improve or prevent or be associated with a lower risk of endometriosis and its associated pain and issues with infertility. So tune in to catch that information. And if you enjoyed this show, please uh, put in your, uh, you know, put in your comments. I love to interact with you. Save it, subscribe to it, and share it with someone that you think would benefit from this information. And I look forward to seeing you next time. And bye, Johanna. Thank you so much for joining and, and putting in your comments. That was really great for me. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. 
Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 